Hi, Coach. Hope you're doing well. This is Dan Tudor. You are listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. We are here doing this special series in the midst of the crisis that college coaches are going through and all of us in the country and world are going through. But we're focused on college coaches, special series, getting them through the crisis and giving them strategies and ideas on how to thrive and succeed through this crisis. And the question I have for you, what if you had access to a coach former coach who understood what you were going through, but also had the ear of a lot of creative business solutions for some of the hurdles that you are now facing. Would you want to talk to that person? Well, that's what today's show is all about because we have a coach who made the transition into working with businesses at a very high level. He's a successful author, speaker, motivator. He has spoken several different times at the college Uh, big conference that we have for recruiting, the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference. And his name is John Brubaker. On Twitter, he is affectionately known as at Coach Brew, B-R-U. And he is one of the people uh, on the East Coast that a lot of businesses look to to have him help with their business, to have them uh, performing better and communicating better, and approaching problem-solving more creatively. And he took these talents that he learned as a college coach and transferred them to the business world. So I contacted him, wanted him to sit down with all of us to ask him questions about how a business is approaching this crisis and what he has seen successful businesses do to overcome different crises that they have faced, and then take those lessons and apply it to college recruiting, college organization, and college programs because the challenge that you are facing, Coach, is significant and we want good solutions and creative solutions. And a lot of you don't get a chance to maybe hear from the business community and hear from people that are having to approach these problems creatively and finding a solution. So that's what today is all about. And in our conversation with Coach Brubaker, what we started the conversation with was pretty simple question. What is he hearing from college coaches that he's talking to that is on their mind as they go through this situation, this crisis? How are they approaching it? What are they feeling? And what are they talking to him about? And that's the way we kicked off this conversation that I think, Coach, you're really going to get a lot out of. Here's Coach Brew and what he said. So to answer your question, Dan, what am I hearing from coaches? I'm hearing uh, a lot. It's a lot of the same message. And it's they're looking for some clarity and they're looking for some direction. Uh, I literally just got this text from a division one assistant. Uh, their spring season was obviously cut, uh, short, very abruptly. So I'm putting together some meeting topics slash suggestions for, um, our staff to do with captains. One, see, uh, what you think. And he listed a couple of things that he wanted to include. My thoughts were, Number one, as opposed to like specific things, make it fun for them. Because right now, there ain't a whole lot of fun going on for your student athletes uh, or for your recruits. So how can you make the process, the communication process with your current team and your future players, fun? You know, lighthearted, playful, uh, serious when you need it to be, but to keep it fun. 
And the second piece is to give them ownership of the process and some accountability. You know, for your current team, it would be accountability, you know, with your peers. And um, if anyone is looking for ideas for peer accountability, um, talk to one of your peers in the New England Small College Athletic Conference because those coaches are literally not allowed to have a non to have contact with their athletes during the non-traditional season. So they've got to have their upperclassmen, their seniors, their leaders take ownership and be accountable, you know, and foster that culture in the non-traditional season. And it's something they do annually, not just during this crisis. So uh, I would say reach out to one of your peers in uh, that population. But yeah, I, I think the big thing is coaches are trying to figure out this whole thing on the fly. Um, Use resources that are available to you. Uh, Zoom is a great, zoom.us is a great platform for video conferencing. You can have team meetings. You can still have staff meetings. You can video conference uh, with recruits. You can do virtual tours. I know you're big on that, like walking your campus with an iPad. Uh, I think Gabe Bolton was the the person I first heard was doing this. He's at uh, California State. Uh, what is it? Stan state. I always butcher the pronunciation of that Stanislaus state women's soccer. Yeah. Uh, virtual tours where he walks the campus with an iPad and, um, you know, has the student athlete and their family, you know, on the other side of that on, on the internet. So I think it's time to be creative and keep things fun. And if you're the one doing that, uh, they're going to want to hear from you as opposed to having to hear from you. I think there's a difference. It's not just semantics. One of the, I think the unique uh, aspects of your professional experience that lends itself well to this conversation, John, is that you were a college coach for quite a while and then uh, became speaker and a, a professional personal coach. And many of those uh, are much of that coaching takes place with businesses and not just in your region in the Northeast, but around the country. And I'm wondering, kind of, I'm looking for you to give coaches some ideas of a business approach that the private sector is or would be taking in this type of a situation uh, to help solve the problem of just doing things out of the norm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just wondering, what are you what are you seeing through this crisis, but even before businesses that have either struggled or uh, had faced something that they need to overcome? How have they done that? What are some principles that maybe you could talk about with with us that that a coach could learn to use in his or her program as they're going through all of uh, all of this crisis? I think it's a great question. It's a really important question, and to really be able. To- well, that's that's how you roll. That's SOP on the College Recruiting Weekly podcast. Um, SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedure for those who didn't know that. Uh, so, but in order to answer that question, I have to first say what people aren't doing and shouldn't be doing, specifically what you shouldn't be doing. And the reason I think that's important is in order to know as a coach, in order to know what wins, you really first have to know what's going to lose your games, you know? And I think what you shouldn't do is copy what everyone else is doing. 
You know, uh, there are a lot of businesses who feel right now powerless. They feel like they've got to sit on their hands and wait for things to get better, wait for the kind of quarantine or social distancing to be uplifted. Um, and that would be the wrong perspective. That would be the wrong mindset. Uh, there are a small percentage of businesses who are thinking outside of the box, being creative and, um, you know, finding alternative solutions to continue to continue to keep people employed and earn money. And um, so don't let what you can't do interfere with you with what you can do as a coach and a recruiter. And what you can do right now is you can up your, your level and frequency of communication, the quality of your messaging, and you can get really creative about it. You know, it's funny in the business world, people are always saying, oh man, if I only had more time to work on my business, if I had the time, I would do X, Y, and Z. Hey, newsflash, guess what? You have the time now. The question is, are you really doing it? Or is that just idle talk? Like, you know, you, know, you were wishing you had the time. Everyone has more time now. And ask, so when a business does that, it's one thing for a coach to say, and, and coaches are, even though they're a part of a staff, they sort of think singularly a lot of the time. That sure. here's what sure. I can do to improve my career. Here's the responsibilities, my my list that I have a responsibility over in my program. And what I'm wondering is that, you know, if a business were to, to approach that, that, that I have all this time now or some extra time in the middle of this crisis, what, again, I'm going to go back to, to what is a, how would a business be approaching this differently than a coach might? Sure. Um, this is an opportunity to tighten the screws on all the little things, so to speak. And I say that very intentionally. I literally just got off the phone with one of my favorite human beings, uh, Ann Rutherford. She owns uh, a restaurant in Falmouth, Maine, shout out to the Foreside Tavern. And they are communicating on social media with all their customers, uh, just updating everyone on what they are doing. And they're not let, letting what they can't do interfere with what they can do. She had her head bartender in the facility. Obviously, they're closed, but she literally had him tightening the screws on the bar stools. And you think about how, like, so those stools are constantly being used. And, you know, after last call at the end of the night, the last thing you're really going to do is tighten the screws on the bar stools. You're going to mop the floor. You're going to clean the bar. You're going to make sure your inventory and your cash register, everything checks out. Well, now they have time to take care of those little details that actually make a big difference. So my question uh, for my coaching clients is, you know, what's your version of tightening the screws on the bar stools, so to speak. What are those little things that now all of a sudden you have time to do that can make, you know, your facility better, your customer experience better when people are able to return back, you know, if you're a retailer or, you know, work in the service industry and when, when people can come back into your facility, what can you do that'll make a difference? So I think that's, you know, one example, just using metaphor, but I think it's a powerful one because it's a little thing that gets overlooked. You know, it's it, I, as you were saying that uh, it kind of goes to uh, not really the college athletics world and not the business world per se. But you know, how many of us have driven by um, uh, fire stations 
and seeing them, you know, with the hoses extended and they're rolling up the hose fresh, they're yep. washing the car or the, the uh, fire truck. They're, they're doing all these things. And you would think that, well, they're just killing time. I mean, how many, you know, how many times do they get called out in a day? No, what they're doing is making sure that when they do get called out for the fire, that everything's in order. There's not anything out of place. Um, all the screws are tightened, to use your your example, mm-hmm. and and that's that's what they're doing <clears throat> on a constant basis. I'm sort of wondering, with when as coaches go through this, and I think there's a lot of coaches discovering like, wow, I should. There's a lot of stuff that I had been overlooking, both in my personal life, professional life, maybe with our program, and now I'm going to pay some attention to it and fix it. I'm wondering if they'll start to take that approach that fire departments all around the country take, which is, you know, if you have off time and maybe even schedule in that time that there are things that have to be done from a maintenance standpoint in our business, in our program, for me as a coach, my skill set as a coach that I never should let go dormant. I always, I always have to be working. Uh, Absolutely. I think, um, you know, maintenance is a great analogy. And the other thing, uh, one thing I'm doing that I'm encouraging all my clients to do is use this time to learn something new, like learn one new skill, whether it's each day or each week. You know, one of the things I'm doing is I'm working on my posture. I'm trying to make sure like, A, I'm on my phone less and B, I'm not hunched over texting or, you know, posting something on social media or whatever, but I'm consciously, uh, you know, doing some uh, exercises and just practicing better posture. And that's kind of my focus for this week. Next week, it'll be something different. You know, my kids, we're doing that with our kids. I think it's a great example for coaches. Model the behavior you want from your team and from your home team, you know, your, your husband or wife or your children. So one of the things we're having our kids do is they're, I have a 13-year-old daughter and, and a 16-year-old daughter, and they're responsible for cooking dinner at night. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the 16-year-old does it. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, uh, our younger one does. They have to find a recipe on online, and uh, we'll get the ingredients, and they're going to cook, and they're going to clean up. So uh, it's them learning a new skill because they've been pretty spoiled. They've never had to learn how to cook until now. So what, what's a, a new skill that you can use to level up? You know, maybe it's learning how to use artificial intelligence in your recruiting. I think I hear there's a software, software. for that these days. <laughs> maybe it's Brought to you by to RE Recruiting. Do, yeah. Uh, maybe it's learning how to do Instagram stories. You know, a uh, uh, personal trainer I go to, uh, she's an elder millennial. And I taught her how to, how to set up her podcast. And she's teaching me how to really effectively use Instagram better. Why? Because we have time, you know? Yeah, it's a great point. And I've been on coaches for months to start using TikTok. And I'm seeing more and more pop up because they have the time to do it. And that'll be something that I think pays off for them in the, you know, in the future after this is, uh, after this is all done. So my, my other question from a business perspective, how they approach things is, a lot of times this is where waste gets uh, identified when you don't have extra and certainly businesses, especially restaurants um, have to reduce their staff. They have to make some really hard decisions, uh, unpopular things that they don't want to do, but just the, the times necessitate it. So this concept of cutting, uh, you know, basically going bare bones and, and also 
rooting out where am I wasting money? Where, where are we spending money that could go to letting that employee keep their job? That type of thing. Is there an equivalent in college athletics that you would say a coach can take that principle and use this time to um, to kind of identify areas of, of waste? And how, how should they do that the way the, that a business would? Uh, I'll give you another example from uh, the restaurant industry. You know, uh, again, going back to what not letting what you can't do interfere with what you can do. Uh, restaurants who didn't deliver ever before now all of a sudden are offering delivery. But they can't provide a full menu for their customers because they're not getting that, you know, foot traffic, you know, in the facility. They're just not allowed to. So they're paring down their menu instead of, say, offering 10 entrees a night or like a nightly special, like fresh fish. Uh, Good luck with that right now, you know. Um, They're paring it down to one or two entrees and they're offering delivery. You know, I saw a uh, restaurant in um, California. I can't remember the name of it, but it's uh, it's hilarious. They're doing uh, uh, it's like disaster preparedness uh, taco kits, and it's like X number of pounds of meat, all the uh, the cheese, the diced onions, the salsa, the guac, taco shells, a roll of toilet paper, and a bottle of hand sanitizer, and they'll deliver it to you. And it'll feed a family. Um, so they've gotten creative and they're having fun with it, which is what we're talking about. Get creative and have fun, but pare down your offerings. What, you know, uh, so let's say you have 10 things you're doing. You know, looking at kind of the, uh, the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, you know, 80% of your results are going to come from 20% of your activities. What are those 20% that are really mission critical you need to keep doing? Maybe even do a little more of. And what can you shed from your menu, so to speak? So I guarantee you there are things right now you can shed from your menu. There are probably expenses you can shed from your menu too. Right, right. I'm, I'm a big fan, have always been, of the show The Profit on CNBC. Yep. And uh, you know that show basically is about Marcus Limonis, the, the CEO of Camping World, coming into a business and and helping that business person turn the business around. And one of the first things they do in a restaurant is identify the things that aren't selling and take them off the menu. And of course the arguments ensue. Yeah, but that was my, you know, that's my mother's recipe. That's this, but we have to offer that because the other guys do. Yeah, but it's not selling. And so, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying that this is the time where you can take this very analytical approach, which is for a coach, you don't usually have the time to do. And, and ask yourself, well, should we be recruiting that region of the country? Should we go to these tournaments? Because I don't really get a lot of kids from uh, from from that and you know, from that area or that tournament. And should we? You know, do we need to be uh, this line item in our budget? Do we need that? So I think it does prompt a fresh look where when times are normal, times are good, you tend to overlook it because you can afford to from a time or cost standpoint. What what are some things that from a business perspective, you see a lot of business people making mistakes doing, especially in a time of crisis or when they have an operation that's struggling? And obviously your job is to help them uh, self-analyze and and make those corrections, but you know, uh, just like on a show like The Profit, sometimes it doesn't always work out. They don't follow the advice, and I'm just wondering what are some of the the big mistakes that 
through inaction or just doing things wrong that you see businesses hurting themselves by doing uh, that a coach might learn from? Uh, I'm going to piggyback my answer off of everything you just said about the profit. Uh, I'm a big fan of that show. And before that show came around, there was a similar show called Bar Rescue. And John Taffer was the host of Bar Rescue. I remember one of the final episodes, he had commented that part of the problem with those establishments was after he finished his, quote, intervention with them and helped them clean up uh, the disaster, so to speak, and, you know, uh, eliminate expenses that were unnecessary and, you know, kind of tighten the screws on the business, so to speak, what tended to happen an overwhelming amount of the time was after he left, those same business owners would return to the old way they did things before that was familiar and comfortable. Wasn't profitable, but it was familiar and comfortable, and then they would fail. And my concern for coaches is this is the new normal for you. You're learning how to navigate it. And part of you learning how to navigate this is really going to put you ahead of some of your competitors in a way that you didn't think was possible or maybe even just probable. And you're going to work more efficiently, hopefully smarter, not harder. But then after things kind of return and uh, the pandemic is over, you're, it's pretty it's a dangerous thing. You might return to your default setting and that might really be what hurts you is going back to the way things were when you just had time to find a better way. So that's kind of part one. And, um, part two is simply not being creative. Um, you know, I am seeing a lot of people out there in the market who are treating this you know, like right now it's a two week kind of self quarantine. Kids are off school. Yeah. They're treating it like a vacation. They're binge watching Tiger King and all this other crap on Netflix instead of using it as an opportunity to get better, to uh, evaluate, reassess things and change. Um, so maybe, you know, some of this is you've been too comfortable coach uh, for a little too long and the reality of what's going on just hasn't hit you yet. But pretty soon, your athletic director, even though you're working from home, is still going to expect you to deliver results, to deliver your, your recruiting class, and to be prepared for next year. So use your time wisely. You know, quarantine, I like to say, uh, you know, your adversity is your advantage. I can give a couple examples from history. I'm a history buff, and I think, you know, we can learn a lot from history, and it certainly repeats itself. But I'll put it to you this way. During the, the uh, pandemic in 1918, which is the Spanish flu, I believe, uh, a.k.a. Was, yes, I was. Uh, Coach Randall had just retired. And he just reached, like, Social Security age, I believe. Right. Um, right. The Which is impressive because Social Security wasn't around in 1918. So here's what happened. Um, there's uh, – a student by the name of Isaac Newton who uh, had to self-quarantine. He had to leave Cambridge University and go home and self-quarantine. And during that time, he discovered calculus. 
And I share that with you because I think if Isaac Newton can freaking discover calculus while he's quarantined at home at his age, we can all solve a lot of problems in our business with our program, uh, still reel in a good recruiting class. It's, it's what you choose to do with this opportunity. And, you know, it, it's not necessarily a problem. It can also be an opportunity, but you got to get creative. Right. Yeah. On that note, I uh, read and then I tweeted out a couple of days ago that uh, during the Black Plague, Shakespeare was quarantined and wrote King Lear during that quarantine. So great things could happen. But but to your point, you have to actually do the things that you have the opportunity to do. And, you know, sedentary activities tend to promote you know, continuing sedentary activities. And if you're moving, I, I can tell you that, you know, yesterday I had one of my most productive days in the last probably four or five months. And my schedule was full. But, yeah. Well, I mean, I had things scheduled that maybe I wouldn't have normally had time to get scheduled. I was doing things that, that, um, that I don't, maybe normally do at that point in the week that I had time to do and ended the day in a really good mood and a lot of energy. And so there, there is this opportunity and it's, it's just interesting the way that people uh, approach it. And I think there are some business leaders, there are some coaches who thrive in a condition like this that, Hey, I'm creative. I'm uh, I'll, I'll get it. I've got this positive attitude. I'm going to get it done. And then there's others that say, "Uh oh, I'm out of my normal routine, yeah. and yeah. I'm going to lose, and this is horrible, and I and this is the this is a disaster." And so part of it is just approaching it with um, with the right attitude. So I guess just to wrap things up, John, um, and I appreciate your perspective that uh, it kind of meshes both the the coaching world and the business world, uh, and you've given a lot of advice to coaches, which I appreciate, and I know they do too. But, but if I am stuck, if I'm feeling like I just, I don't know what my routine should be. And I, now you guys are talking about these coaches and business leaders that thrive under these conditions. Okay, well, how do I do that? What would be the first one or two steps that you would suggest they take after they stop listening to this? And, uh, and, and basically they, they do sort of self-start and, and, and move in this direction that we're talking about. What would the first one or two things be that you would suggest? Well, uh, first one or two things I would suggest are take your own medicine and lead by example. And here's what I mean by that. If you think about how coaches, how we, uh, approach game day, you know, um, that, that environment with our athletes, uh, at home on the road, you know, we try and make away games, uh, we try and make everything, the routine, the, uh, the vibe, the feel, everything as familiar as possible and as similar to being at home, right? Because there are a lot of unknowns that we can't control. What can we control? So I would say take your own medicine with that. How can you make your home office uh, as familiar as your work office? How can you make your routine as similar as what's been effective for you before? And to take it a step further, it should actually be more effective. And here's why. I want to go back to your comment about your super productive day yesterday. And I have a theory on this. So if you could 
play along with me, Dan. We're going to turn the tables on this interview. I'm going to ask you a question. You a question. Sure, absolutely. How much time did you spend commuting yesterday? You know, picking up the rental car, going to the airport, or driving to the office. You know, driving to a college campus to give a presentation, that sort of stuff. Because that's kind of the normal day for you, right? Uh, when I'm traveling, that is the normal day, and I spent exactly zero minutes doing any of that yesterday. So you found a lot so of time. You found a lot of time that you wouldn't have. Or it, or it, or it found me. Really one bad. of the two. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, as a coach, you know, unless you live on campus, which is highly unlikely, um, you have a commute, and the average commute in the United States is 22 minutes each direction. So you have 45 minutes every day of found time that you can spend or invest waste or invest i should say because when you you're not getting it back and when you invest it you'll get a return on the investment if you typically are doing a lot of recruitment travel this time of year or are out on the practice field that's a couple of hours every day that you're getting back how are you investing that you know this should be a time where yeah you stick to your routine but you've also got extra time that you can devote to things that are going to provide a high return on your investment. And my last question for you, Dan Tudor, is on an average day when you're traveling, how much time do you spend going to Starbucks to get yourself a Trenta-sized or several Trenta-sized iced teas over the course of a full day? Uh, not that much time actually, because I'm very efficient with it. I mo I mobile order ahead of time, so I could just pull up, walk in, drive through, and get it. Can I share a story with you as we wrap things up? I want to share a little story with everybody. You remember September 11th? Everybody remembers September 11th. I'm not even talking about 2001. Here's the September 11th that none of you remember. September 11th, 1992, there's this tiny little mom-and-pop t-shirt business called Paradise Sportswear. It was in the island of Kauai, in Hawaii. And uh, I don't know if anyone is old enough to remember uh, Hurricane Aniki. It was a Category 5 hurricane that just blew right through uh, you know, all the Hawaiian islands. And there was a lot of destruction, particularly in the island of Kauai. And that included Paradise Sportswear, uh, their warehouse and their printing facility, their inventory. It's just devastated. But when the owners like went in to assess the aftermath of everything, uh, they had found that the roof caved in. The whole facility was flooded with, uh, if you've ever been to Hawaii, uh, if you haven't been to Hawaii, they have this red clay, red clay dirt, probably similar to like red dirt in Texas. So anyway... Uh, flooded with water, the floor and, and you know the product is all filled with this red clay, and it had uh, it's like volcanic soil on on Hawaii, and it stains everything, which is why the Hawaiians take off their shoes before entering homes and buildings and things. So anyway, uh, they thought that all their inventory, all these beautiful white T-shirts, like tourist T-shirts, you know were destroyed because they had these red clay stains. Like, I mean, they almost looked tie-dyed. They were just so stained. And, um, you know, one of the owners said, you know, we got a file insurance claim. This is, you know, our business is dead. And the other one said, you know what? I'm going to try and wash these shirts. And I think we're all in the story. 
Are you are you the guy that said our business is doomed? Or are you the 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 coach, the person, the business owner who said, you know what, I'm gonna try and wash these shirts. And when he couldn't wash one of them clean, what he decided to use for detergent was red clay. And that was when the official Hawaiian red dirt shirt was born. So he used the clay to make these white shirts, you know, a red dirt color, and started selling them on the beach. They literally just set up a little pop-up shop on the beach. With, you know, they had their logo screen printed on the shirt and this red clay color. And they sold out in the first day. They had to go back, finish washing all of these white, ruined, seemingly ruined shirts with this red clay. Make more, print them, sold out the next day, the next week. Now you can't go into a, a, any kind of shop, gift shop, tourist sort of tourist trap place on any of the Hawaiian islands and not find a red dirt shirt. You'll find them in the airport. But that was all born of what seemed to be a disaster. And I think sometimes as we're looking at this situation that's affecting every coach, college, business, everyone in America, is it something that's happening to you? Or in a strange, maybe unexpected way, is it something that's actually happening for you? And you just haven't discovered how it's happening for you yet. So I guarantee you there's going to be a silver lining that comes out of this in many ways. But you you, you got to be like that business owner who decided to take action and didn't just throw his hands up in the air. And you got to try and find out what that is for you. And coach, that's the way we wrapped up the conversation with John Brubaker. Hopefully you got a lot out of that and some ideas maybe of approaches you can take that were creative, yeah, but also that would work soon and have good results for you and your program as you go through this crisis. You, you heard in the interview that we mentioned the new book he has coming out, Beyond Stadium Status. You can get your copy. You can reserve it, order it at beyondstadiumstatus.com. I highly recommend it. His first book was popular with the college athletic community and coaches. It talks about real-life lessons of how uh, entertainers and business people and companies took their brand and took their organization uh, to new heights by some very simple techniques and very creative approaches. And that's what this is all about. You have to get through this crisis using creative approaches. And this is going to be another tool that you would want on your library shelf to read and to study and to apply the lessons for. So uh, beyondstadiumstatus.com, you should follow Coach Brew on Twitter, at Coach Brew. John Brubaker, we appreciate his time and talents and expertise for our coaching community. Coach, that's going to wrap it up. If you need help with anything as you go through this, dantutor.com is the website you'll want to go to. We have links to all of our resources, many of them free or very low cost. We want to get you through this as best as possible. Check out our new webinars section as well because we're getting a lot of good feedback from that, and we are in the process of training coaches on specific things that they'll need to be doing during this crisis to get through it, so check that out and all of our other resources as well. If you have questions for me, dan at dantutor.com is the email. I would love to help and answer questions however I can. And keep listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast as well. We have more great episodes on this topic, getting you through this crisis coming up uh, shortly. So subscribe 
and leave a comment, uh, leave a rating on iTunes or whatever your platform of choice is for these podcasts. And Coach, again, I just hope we're helping you. That's what this is all about. So stay tough, uh, stay focused, keep recruiting. You'll get through this, Coach, and we'll be here to help you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher, and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.